Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports, we never stop. The NGSC Radio Network, in conjunction with the Happy Hour Network, are proud to bring you the only show that matters with your host, the heartthrob G.W. Gross, and the future of all sports media, Joe Weidra. Bear witness. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on? You are now tuned in to the only show that matters brought to you by the NGSC Sports Radio Network in conjunction with the Happy Hour Network. I am your host, G.W. Gross, the heartthrob. And with me every week during the football season is the man they call, or at least I call, the future of all sports media. And that's my man, Joe Weidra. How you feeling, Joseph? I'm feeling pretty good. Happy uh, post-Thanksgiving week. This is, for me, this is literally the week I just do nothing else but guzzle water and eat nothing but fruit and vegetables because last weekend I think I consumed about two months' worth of carbs. So I'm, I'm feeling a little down because I have nothing in my system, but overall pretty good. Yeah, let me tell you, I, I, I took a long break from work, so I, I didn't go to work, obviously, Thursday. I'm off today, and I'm going back to work tomorrow. And, and within that time span, I... I stood away from the gym four days in a row. So I went back yesterday, and today I am sore as hell. I think I hurt my arm again. I'm just a mess right now. <laughs> like, like nothing is working right, and that's only four days. Then to make matters worse, I broke my ear, my, my, my headphone piece, so I'm on speakerphone again, which I hate doing. You know, I'm on speakerphone on this podcast because when I was doing my laundry yesterday, I threw my headphones in with the wash, and that didn't end well for my headphones. So it's, it's and, not and easy to it, it, it's like, not easy being the heartthrob. Yeah, and, and, and it was one of those things. As soon as I pulled it out the wash, the headphones fell on the floor. I was like, gosh, that's terrible. You know, so it was just it happened like in slow motion. And then like today I came up on my backup pair. And, 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 and before you and me got on, got online to do the show, I was going to try to hook up the Skype thing, and I just couldn't figure it out because I, I, I thought about it way too soon or late, I should say. So I didn't, I didn't get a chance to figure it out, but I'll figure it out next time for sure. So hopefully we'll have a clearer thing between you and me once I figure out how to get the Skype reception onto GarageBand or Pro Tools or whatever the hell I do. But whatever, we're here right now. Thanksgiving week. Um, I, I, I guess we'll start the show like that. We do. We'll start talking about the, uh, the games that happened in the NFL week. But let's talk about the Thanksgiving Day games because there was two huge blowouts. Um, the, the Eagles, you could say, are done. Yeah, and, and you can say that Detroit pretty much is that, that they're finding their footing where they're too little, too late. And the other blowout was Carolina just completely destroying Dallas. And, and in the midst of all that, they also just knock out my man Romo for the remainder of the year. Um, I mean, what do you think about these two blowouts? What did they say about these teams that were engaged in? Well, I mean, at least it didn't distract me from all the eating that I did. I mean, that was pretty much the forefront. I ate a lot of food and just kind of had football in the background. But, you know, these games were were sneakily decent. Well, not the first one. I mean, that, that the only reason that first game was a little interesting with the Lions is because all of a sudden you're starting to see like a spark lit under that. And I, I think quite possibly what it is is, you know, after that whole Martha Ford thing and firing guys and everything, I think everybody is starting to realize that, they're all playing for their jobs right now. I think that's the biggest thing they have to understand is that everybody on that roster is under evaluation. They've picked it up, and they're playing really good football. So pass off to them. Um, the other game, 
you know, Carolina's just so good. I, I don't see who's going to beat them the rest of the way in the regular season. We'll see what happens postseason because you get those weird matchups. I think a team like Minnesota could be a sneaky matchup to knock them off. But I like this Carolina team right now. There's no reason for me that they don't go undefeated the rest of the way. Well, I mean, and, and, and it's great. We, we talk about Cam Newton every week. And is there anybody more exciting to watch right now than Cam Newton? No, I don't think so. I think when you look at the landscape of the NFL, they're looking for players like Cam Newton to come in and bring a younger fan base and generation into the sport. I think Cam Newton's doing exactly that. For me, I think it's very good for the NFL because he is that poster boy that really you want. He's a pretty good guy off the field, stays out of trouble, and just a really fun player to watch from the quarterback position. I think Roger Goodell's loving it. Uh, let me tell you that. And, and remember, like the age of our uh, the age of our quote unquote classic quarterbacks coming to an end. You know, you, you see the demise of Drew Brees. We're, we're witnessing Peyton Manning folding before our eyes. Um, as, as long as Tom Brady is in there, he's good. But you know that you, you figure he's got about two more years left. Who else do you think is in that class? I guess Philip Rivers, Eli, Big Ben. They all got probably three more years left of being at the top of their game. So, so Cam Newton, you're looking at. Um, along with Andrew Locke, if you want to throw Russell Wilson in there, if you, I mean, just, just for the sake of argument, throw Andy Dalton in there. But, 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 but the last four names are the quarterbacks that people could be looking to towards the future of this league because the old school guys are pretty much done. Um, and thinking of old school, we had the oldest rivalry in the NFL, and it was a pretty, pretty marginal upset where my Chicago Bears – um, beating Green Bay 17 to 13, it says a lot about both teams. I think I think Green Bay's really got a lot of problems offensively, and the Bears are—they're definitely not the team we saw last year. That we say it every week, even when they lose, they're competitive. They're competitively in these games. The, op, the offense is moving the ball and moving the chain. Green Bay, though, and, and honestly, I, I think it has to deal with Mike McCarthy not pulling the plays over there uh, for whatever reason. And Aaron Rodgers and him having problems or whatever. Aaron Rodgers needs to get over himself because Mike McCarthy is pretty much one of the best coaches in the league, top five in my eyes. And Mike McCarthy needs to get back into in control of that offense and call on the plays because things have gone totally awry in Green Bay. Yeah, well, my point here is twofold. First, I'll start with the Bears. I think there's not there's always a team in the league where you look at and you say, oh, that nobody in the league wants to play these guys right now, even though they don't have a winning record or, or a playoff shot per se. For me right now, I think that's the Chicago Bears. I look at this team, and I, I see very well coached, obviously, first straight off the bat. They're, they're minimizing the mistakes this year, and they're just playing in it until the end. And I think those are the pesky teams that can play spoiler towards the end of the season and really play a disappointing role like Green Bay saw on Thursday night. So Chicago right now is one of those teams that nobody wants to run into just because they're just sneakily very good. They sneak up on their opponents, and they play good football. And, you know, on the Green Bay side, I say this, I think, you know, anytime Aaron Rodgers and that offense this year has been pressed, has not had things go their way early, and, and not being able to build momentum through the first and second quarters, you've seen struggles. And I think right now this offense is lacking that, that extra fight back that they need. We always see that on defense where, okay, you have that physical mindset, but that, that very well still applies on the offensive side of the football too. And right now they're just not battling back. Something's off, and I, I can't really pinpoint it. And, and, you know, I forgot, I forgot which one of my friends is saying, oh, you know, but, but like, like Jordy Nelson being hurt, it really hurts the team, yada, yada. I don't want to really hear that. I'm not taking away from Jordy Nelson. But if, if you're supposedly a top two, top three quarterback in the league, like Aaron Rodgers is or supposedly is, it, it shouldn't matter the tools around you. Like, I mean, that, I mean, you would go and talk to a Philip Rivers who, who posts 4,000 yards and, 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 and 30 touchdowns a year with nobody pretty much around him. I mean, you know, there's been quarterbacks, great quarterbacks who have done it with less than what Aaron Rodgers has. There's something wrong in that team, maybe something wrong in the locker room that's just not getting out because Green Bay handles that kind of drama better than most teams. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, you, 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 you can't be looking at injuries as your excuse because you're, quote, unquote, you are Aaron Rodgers, you know. So the Jordy Nelson excuse is thrown out the window for me. Um, keeping in the NFC, though, moving on, Minnesota takes care of Atlanta, 20 to 10. I think this is more of a telling of Atlanta going through struggles right now. Matt Ryan looks awful. You know me, I'm a big Matt Ryan supporter. Looks awful against Minnesota. We already know. Minnesota's, they're not too flashy on the offensive side of things, but defensively they're pretty stout. Atlanta at least is supposed to score, and they can't do anything anymore. Yeah, quite frankly, it's just a guy at the top, too. I mean, Matt Ryan's making too many mistakes. He's not that pinpoint accuracy 
and really with the excitement that we saw him come into the league with. Remember that year was with Joe Flacco, and we were always debating, you know, which guy is better. And for so many years, guys were saying, Matt Ryan's clear, better passer. But you're seeing this year a complete drop-off. And whatever that may be, it's frustrating. And it's got to be frustrating for Atlanta fans. Too many red zone interceptions, too many mistakes when it counts. And, and that comes back to doom these guys. Matt Ryan doesn't have that clear intermediate threat right now and that's going to hurt him because he is forcing these throws that are just inexcusable in the red zone so definitely uh disappointing for atlanta but i totally agree with you when you say that this game was more telling for the falcons than the, than the vikings we know what minnesota is they're a very stout team they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to cause teams issues because of the way they play football a uh, stout and improving defense with a very good run game and a young quarterback that it can can play good football. So I'm intrigued by this Minnesota team. This win just solidifies that. Um, going down to the terrible AFC South, you got Houston beating New Orleans 24-6. And, um, New Orleans pretty much becomes a whipping boy for everybody right now. And you have Indianapolis pulling off. Uh, it, it's not an upset, but it was upset to me. I thought Tampa Bay would come into Indianapolis and win that game. And they went by an odd score of 25-12. Um, you got Matt Hasselbeck looking good, and and, and not going to be. We finally see a T.Y. Hilton game be a play by T.Y. Hilton. I, I mean, I, I don't know who to believe in the ASC South. Says I think both of these teams are generally underwhelming. I'm still putting my money my money on Houston more than Indianapolis. I just think I think Warriors put them together a little well. I just think their roster is just better. Um, who do you have to pick right now if you had to pick the ASC South? Who do you like more? Well, I'll be completely honest. If Jacksonville would have won their game over San Diego on Sunday, I would have leaned towards Jacksonville just because of the youth they have. But they lost that game at home. That's a season crusher for them. Something about me still likes Indianapolis. And you know how I feel about Indy. I just think that they have those pieces that can come through in the clutch, especially when Andrew Luck comes back. But we're seeing right now that the true value of a veteran quarterback that truly is a game manager. Look, you can call Matthew Hasselbeck a game manager. He won't care. He knows what he is. But it's being effective right now because he's doing just enough to win games. He's not making mistakes. He's putting the team in a position to win. I'm not sure you can ask for much more in the NFL that's in the, the current state of the quote-unquote quarterback drought. Matthew Hasselback is just taking this team by the reins, letting the skilled position players do what they do, and the defense is stepping up. So I like Indianapolis just for the fact that Houston so streaky. We've seen what their, what their feeling is. We know what their floor is, and their floor is very, very low. That AFC wild card pitcher is really, really it's wide open. Um, you got Buffalo losing to Kansas City, who I think has won, what, five in a row now, four in a row. And Miami, everybody loved Miami three weeks ago, and they're just getting smacked around everywhere they go. They even fired their offense coordinator, Laser, um, yesterday after the performance against the Jets. Um, if you had to pick between the Jets and Kansas City as a team to make the playoffs, who do you pick? Because my vote is definitely still with the New York Jets. In spite of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick though is like hot and cold. Like it, it, he had a great game against Miami, and then like, like next week he'll throw he'll one touchdown, two interceptions, and have a fumble. You know he's just inconsistent. Where Alex Smith is consistent, but I think the Jets just have a better roster top to bottom. Well, it's certainly confusing when you look at the Jets because they have the pieces in place. First of all, I really like Todd Bowles. I like what he's done with this team. He's given them an identity on both sides of the football that they've been yearning for for the past several years. So good for Todd Bowles for transitioning this team into a contender. Ryan Fitzpatrick at the top does make you a little nervous. It's kind of odd to say that the Jets are a team that are going to go to the playoffs with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm, but it's pretty much where we stand right now. This team is is clearly the front runners for me for a five-seed no reason to believe that they can't do it. I think they have pieces in place on both sides of the ball, and they're good. I mean, they're good when it counts, and they're going to keep games close. Right now at 6-5, and five, that's all that matters in that AFC wild card. Win a few more games, and they're going to be in this thing. So, hey, it'll be interesting to see, but I agree. At the end of the day, even though everything is structured to be pretty decent for them moving forward, you just got to figure out what Ryan Fitzpatrick does at the helm. Yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers blew it against Seattle, or else Pittsburgh would have at least been seven and five, or seven and four. Excuse me. Um, go, I mean, excuse me. It would have been uh, <laughs> yeah, it would have been seven and uh, four, right? Yeah, they would have been seven and yep. four if they won this week. So you know that they kind of blew that to jump ahead. Uh, New England Patriots lost to Denver in overtime. Are you surprised by Denver giving New England its first loss? I'm impressed with what Brock Osweiler showed, and I say that because I don't think that he had the best game by any standards. But you got to realize that this guy. What, he's playing his second NFL game as a starter. I mean, he's going to take some time. But I really like the way he came through. He stayed calm and collected, threw some very nice deep balls 
And even the intermediate passing was impressive. He did his job in tough conditions. Tom Brady couldn't do it. And I tell you what, I mean, Osweiler, give or take the weapons he has or Brady has, he was throwing prettier balls on Sunday night than Tom Brady was in tough conditions. And, And he's used to that. He grew up in that, played college in some tricky conditions. So Osweiler's your guy right now. There's no reason to believe that Manning should come back into the lineup. I think he's the future. I think Denver realizes that, too. With that defense, hopefully picking it up a little bit more, showing what they did in the beginning of the season. We had some emergence from C.J. Anderson finally, that nice touchdown off the edge. So I believe in this Denver team. I moved them up to number two in the power rankings this week. And who knows? Maybe Brock Osweiler is the story that we all love and, and get to see this year. How great would a Brock Osweiler, Cam Newton Super Bowl be? Uh, I mean, if you're asking me, I'd say it'd be terrible. I don't want to see Brock Osweiler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd, oh, I'd much rather want Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl. And, and, and I still think the Patriots are, are on par to, to finish with the best record in the AFC. It's still on par to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that, 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 that they say Gronkowski's injury, he may miss two weeks, you know, uh, maybe three. So Gronkowski's injury just looked worse than it was. And to wrap up the NFL um, past week, Monday Night Football, yeah, yeah, you, you and me thought your team was going to be part of a very boring game. It was actually one of the better and more exciting games on Monday night. Um, and you know what's funny about that game? Yesterday? I was watching it with my father, and, you know, me, me and my dad always say the Monday Night Jinx. Whenever they say um, a certain player does this really well, he does a whole lot. It's been happening ever since I was a kid watching the game. And when, when, when Cleveland lined up for the field goal, you, you, you heard John Gruden talk about the kicker, uh, what's his name, uh, Coons? And, and he was like, oh, you know, he doesn't miss, he doesn't miss. I swear, Joe, I told my father, this kick is going to get blocked and returned now. And what happened? The kick got blocked and returned by Baltimore. It was amazing. It was, it was, it was a fun game. I mean, it doesn't do much for either one of these teams moving forward. Baltimore 4-7, Cleveland 2-9, and nine, and they lost McCown for the rest of the year. Um, that's interesting to see what happens with, uh, with uh, Austin Davis and Johnny Manziel in that quarterback position. But at least you got to be happy. At least you beat the division rival, right? Hey, you know, I'm still riding the high on that one. We didn't get much excitement this year from the Ravens, so you got to give them credit for at least giving me something. I stayed up that late. I said, if Coons, if Coons makes this field goal, I might not watch another game the rest of the year. It was just so, like, wasting sleep, wasting time. But I tell you, the biggest thing for this game, story-wise, is on the Cleveland side, and that's Mike Patton sticking with his decision to keep Johnny Manziel on the bench and at the third-string role at the end of the game. I think, you know, nobody's going to argue the fact that at the time of the move, Johnny Manziel gives them the best chance to win. No matter what Austin Davis did, look, the Ravens had coverage breakdowns in the secondary and they couldn't cover. Austin oh, Davis yeah. really didn't do much. I mean, it's, it's just anybody could have done, gone out there and done what he did. Tim Tebow could have done it. But the bottom line is Mike Patton stuck with his guns, and I think that speaks a lot about the situation with Johnny Manziel right now. It's, it's questionable. Is he going to be there next year? For me, I think after that, I, I would be hard inclined to say, that Johnny Manziel is going to be somewhere else. I just, it's very questionable right now, a little fishy because, you know, how bad did Manziel play out? You know, how bad was this? Because it doesn't seem very good. When you have Austin Davis coming into a game against your division rival at home, it, it's just a little weird to me, G. Yeah, I, I, I actually forgot all about Austin Davis. I forgot he was with uh, the Rams last year, and he gave him a little spark, too. But, uh, I, I and the guy who returned the touchdown, Will Hill, wasn't he the one that blew that coverage and that big touchdown yes, he pass was. too? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, good. at least he got that out of his mind. He got some retribution for himself. So that was good to see as well. But it was an exciting game, surprisingly exciting game. And right about now, we're going to go into my favorite segment of the show. You want to make money this weekend, right? <laughs> okay. It's now time for the Heartthrobs College Football Locks. All right, I got four for you this week. Um, it's, uh, remember last week's rivalry week, Joe, and that's always tough. We went 50-50 last week. And this week is almost as tough. You have neutral destinations in these uh, whole games. Uh, not whole games, excuse me, championship games. So we'll go first part right here with the ACC championship game. North Carolina, four-point underdog versus Clemson. I actually like North Carolina over here because I think if Clemson wins, it'll be close. Clemson has had a lot of close games against against above average opponents. Um, it, even even sadly, where they were double double digit favorites, they only edge them out by a touchdown. And a lot of people are talking about Sean Watson, but Marquise Williams is almost as effective as Sean Watson as that dual threat. Um, I, I, I think it's hard to do have um, a rush defense which we fits on. But I think overall, USC is I think tougher 
than, than Clemson. I just think they're a grittier team, and they'll hang with them for four quarters. So give me North Carolina plus four. Gee, the college football rankings you see come out this week are going to look nothing like the ones you're going to see the next week. I, this this is a week of shakeups for me, and I was at that Clemson game last week. I love Clemson, huge fan, but I'm taking UNC in this game. What they've shown this year is incredibly impressive, an 11-1 record against some very good teams. They played outstanding football, and like you say, the quarterback, Marquise Wilson, I'm, uh, Williams, Wilson, Williams, whatever, gee, I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm so excited about my pick, but... <laughs> This is my upset pick of the week, and I'm telling you because Clemson, good football team, don't get me wrong, but they're not blowing people out of the water. They're playing close games even around halftime in the third quarter, and I think against the Tar Heels, that's going to hurt them. I like UNC in this game, pulling off on a neutral setting. Clemson's going to make too many mistakes like they did last week against South Carolina, and you're going to have a new number one next week. Whatever happens to having that number one team that beats the garbage out of everybody? Like the last couple of seasons I remember yep. that happening was like Florida and Alabama, you know, like uh, Alabama a few years ago and the Urban Meyer Florida team. I think those are the only teams that probably had one hiccup throughout the whole year. But other than that, they're winning games by like 25 points. I miss those teams, actually. I actually miss those teams. Um, so you got Michigan State minus three going against Iowa. The game is to be played at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, Iowa's big thing is that they haven't played anybody, which I always think is a knock to an entire conference. <laughs> they, they did play one half of an entire conference, you know, but uh, Michigan State has been playing it kind of close to the hip. Um, I'm going to give Michigan State the credit here, though, because I think in the last two or three weeks, they, they've actually seen what their potential could be. You know, they, they, they were able to knock out Ohio State. You know, they, they, they're able to knock out teams that, they, that, that, that people were putting against them. Uh, Iowa is going to – I think Iowa hangs off for a half. Michigan State wins this by at least 10 when it's all said and done. Completely agree. I think on a neutral field, you got to give the, give the game to Michigan State here. I think they're the better team. Iowa, look, they haven't lost all year, but like you said, give me your quality wins and come back to me and talk to me then. I think Michigan State, much better rounded to win this game. I, I know what Iowa does on the offensive side of the ball, running the ball, and, of course, on defense. they got a great defense, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm not sure 10 points is exactly where we're going here, but I can see Michigan State eking it out by three or four points. I'm not sure what the line is, but I'm going to take Michigan State with the win just because I think they've been through more this season. They've been through the ups and downs more than Iowa has, and I think at the end of the day that's really going to help them. Um, the next pick over here, we got Florida, 17-point underdog versus Alabama. The game is to be played in, Georgia, in the Georgia Dome. Over here, I'm going in Alabama. I, I know it's laying down a lot of points it's against a defense like this, but the reason why I'm doing this, Joe, is a simple Vegas logic because everybody would see that Florida has a great defense and they're going and they're going against an Alabama team that isn't as explosive as they used to be, and 17 points is a lot when you, when you play against a, a good defense. I think so many people are going to lay that money towards Florida that Alabama is to pick here. That is my logic going here. I think Alabama wins this game by 20, maybe 21 points. Because Florida, at the end of the day, just can't score at all. And, and, and it's going to be hard to keep Bama off the scoring board. So I'm going Bama minus 17 over here. Well, you know what's crazy here? How many times has this happened? The over-under is 39 and a half, and Alabama's yeah. favored by 17. <laughs> That's unheard of, unbelievable. And I think, like you said, that just speaks to the, the situation this game is in right now. And I think that it's Nick Saban. At the end of the day, I'm putting my money on Nick Saban in a championship game. It's, it's not even close. I don't think it's going to be 17 points. So I think even that over-under kind of scares me a little bit when you're saying 39 points and then Alabama's going to win by 17. We know how fluky these games can be. We saw it last night with the Ravens and the, the, the punt return and the kick return. The football is just a weird game. So I think Alabama wins it. But – I would stay away from that 17 points just because of how sneaky good these games can be. And my, 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 my last lock of the week is not a game I would watch, and it's not even a, a bowl game. It is Texas plus 21 at Baylor. I actually love Texas over here at plus 21, but for the simple fact that this is Texas's bowl game right here. You know, this is everything for Texas. Um, and, and for Baylor, Baylor's coming to this game – Bruce, they're coming to this game undermanned, and they're coming to this game deflated as a team. There's a team that had championship expectations. They're not even going to win the Big 12. Um, I, I think Texas comes in here just to cover a 21-point spread against a team like this. I, I think so. I think Texas is going to get up for this game because, like I said, this is a bowl game. And there's been times where Texas will just show up and be able to score a couple of times. So I think that I, And against Baylor's defense, 
Uh, I, I mean, I think Baylor's defense has been overrated. So I like Texas over here with the plus 21. Yeah, you could go either way with this game. The only note I would say here is that if Baylor wins this game, it's a potential Sugar Bowl berth. So, you know, you kind of take that into consideration. They want to play for that Sugar Bowl, but I don't know. I agree. It's kind of a weird game. They've lost two out of three. They're coming in, and I know you say, yeah, you know, you're playing for that bowl, but what do you really have to play for in the grand scheme of things? You've already lost two this year, two out of the last three. It's got to be demoralizing for this entire club. You know, I, I totally agree with you. Texas keeps it close. Baylor wins it in a game that's probably not too great once it's all said and done. Um, looking at a couple of other games, we got a couple of other games to look at over here. Um, I think you and me are the only ones that are interested in the MAC championship game, but that's going to be a great one Friday night. Northern Illinois going against Bowling Green, two teams I admire a lot. Bowling Green is an 11-point favorite over under a set at 70 because this is the MAC. Um, I like Bowling Green to win this. Uh, 11 may be a lot, but I don't know. Bowling Illinois, that, didn't they just come off their loss against Ohio? Um, and and, yep, and I think yep. Ohio was like a 10. Yeah, yeah now, Ohio was a 10 or 11 point underdog. I took that one without even thinking twice. You know, <laughs> for me, that was a no-brainer to take Ohio on that one. People just really just don't watch the Mac game. I kind of like Bowling Green because I like their quarterback, Matt Johnson. I, I think he's got a future at the next level, and there's just time to show it off. So, and this is the Mac where there is no defense. You got a good quarterback going against the Mac defense. I'll take Bowling Green even with the minus 11. There is not a chance that I am missing the Mac championship game. This is great football. I mean, it's <laughs> something that I think people miss out on a lot, and it just they kind of write it off as the Mac conference. It's not a big deal, but this is good football, and especially in a championship game like this, there's not a chance I'll be missing it. And for the reason, because I think it's going to be down to the wire, gritty kind of game. Both of these teams are very up and down. You don't really know where you want to fit them in because you look at NIU right now, like you said, they lost that game to Ohio by five last week. But the week before that, they only beat Western Michigan by a score. Western Michigan, not a bad team, but somebody that NIU, the Huskies, should win pretty handily. They came back in the fourth quarter. They were down into the fourth quarter, came back, scored 13 and won. So they're up and down right now. And I think Bowling Green has more consistency. Like you mentioned, the quarterback, Matt Johnson, very good, skilled player who's put up a lot of points. I like Bowling Green in a high-scoring game, but it's going to be really fun. Um, just look at the other bowl games real quick. We got Conference USA, Southern Mississippi is a seven-point underdog against Western Kentucky. This game is in Kentucky, and Bowling Green, Kentucky, as a matter of fact. Um, I like Western Kentucky over here. I think Southern Miss is pretty good uh, for, for Conference USA standards, but this is a home game for Kentucky, though. So, gaming Kentucky is yeah, Western Kentucky at home. Like you said, 10-2 and two this year, 8-0 and oh in the conference. Huge wins recently. Marshall, they beat them by 21. Florida International, they beat them by like 55 points, I believe it was. So I'm going to take Western Kentucky. They have some good players on this team. They can score a lot of points. And somebody to watch on these guys, Anthony Wales, the running back, averaging 7.2 yards per carry, seven touchdowns this year, 933 yards on just 129 carries. Quarterback, Brandon Dowdy, too. Uh, I think it's 4,100 yards, 42 touchdowns. Here it is, 42 touchdowns, six interceptions for this guy. They're going to score a lot of points. I like them in this game. Um, the American Athletic Conference being played in Houston, Texas, a home game for Houston, as they're a seven-point favorite against Temple. This game I would not wager on because I can't gauge either one of these teams ever. Um, if I pick a team to win, I'm just going to roll with Temple just for the heck of it, but they are a seven-point underdog. But these are two teams that are so volatile. I don't know where to go. Well, I was all in on Houston until they lost to Connecticut by three points. I mean, that was huge for me. It's like, okay, you're, you're a very good team. You lose to Connecticut? Well, what are you doing, man? I mean, you've got to go with Temple in this game. I know Houston beat Navy last week, but I'm more inclined to believe that Temple's going to come up clutch. Temple also lost the game to USF, though. So, sneaky. Uh, these guys, both of them could be, seriously, at least uh, Houston could be undefeated if it weren't for that loss. Temple would be 11-1. Uh, and one. So, yeah, cause Temple, this is my logic. When it comes down to these games, Temple beat Connecticut by 24 points. Houston lost to Connecticut by three points. Give me Temple. <laughs> um, the Pac-12 championship, you got USC, a four-point underdog going against Stanford. Big win by Stanford. Over here, I'm taking Kevin Hogan and the boys at Stanford. I think you went, I, I don't know why USC decided to name their coach before this game. I thought they should have waited. Until um, after the Pac-12 championship game, that typical USC, they want to keep it in house instead of going elsewhere, which means, which means more of the same for USC. I think the coach is going to be a little bit more comfortable because he knows he has a job at least for next year. So give me Stanford, even at minus four. 
100%. Stanford wins. Big win last week over Notre Dame. Christian McCaffrey, so much fun to watch. Kevin Hogan, it was fun to watch him at the end of that game, you know, last week. Just kind of all he's been through. And to get a win like that against Notre Dame, that was fun. So, while this game isn't exactly riveting, I'll take Stanford in the big win. And the last one we're going to go with right now is the Mountain West Conference Championship, Qualcomm Stadium against California. Air Force against San Diego. There is no line yet. Give me Air Force all day, though. I don't even care what the line is. Yeah, you love your Air Force. I tell you what, San Diego State has not lost in the conference yet. Mountain West, not as easy as you would think. I mean, there's some good teams. you got Boise State in there. I think Nevada plays in there. Not a bad team, but... You know, this is a toss-up for me. I think uh, I would be more inclined to go with San Diego State just because they've won so many games this year, 9-3, and 8-0 and and them up in the conference. But I know how much you love Air Force, but I'm going to go against you just for fun because I really couldn't tell you too many logistics about these teams. So give me the Aztecs. I, I, I've been loving Air Force all year. Those boys, just, they, they, they just do their one thing. They run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They do not even try to throw. I love it. you got to admire a team that, that can win successfully when, when, that, when everyone knows what you're going to get. Oh, absolutely. Just gonna, you know. um, all right, Joe, we're going to take a short break, and you and me will come back, and we will break down the NFL spread and everything going on NFL-wise. So bear with me. They tell me if you really want to get back, you go on and get it. So you know I'll be writing rhymes forever. But since a youngin', I've been on, but never had the time to shine. These people fed what they don't know. Manipulated my grind. I played the bench, applying pressure from the sideline. Never gave a damn about a hater trying to take mine. I was my own boss, always took my own loss. Solid as a rock, but when I slip, I took my own fall. They ask her, how you do that, baby? I'm wildin' on the block, like, why you do that, baby? They wonder how I move, like how I do that lady. Had the baddest by my side, they can't move that baby, uh. She don't move for nothing, always the money. When it seemed I wasn't gone, people thought it was funny. Thought it was funny. I, they say you really wanted that bad. Just think of all the stuff you never had. Hey, if you really wanted that bad, you gonna get it. So I probably sing this song forever, but never mind the weather. Take a ride and get my mind together. I got a diamond, I'm a shot. Hey, if you really wanted that bad, you gonna get it. So I probably sing this song forever, but never mind the weather. And we're back to the only show that matters. I am GW Glass, the heart drop, and he is Joe Weidra. Joe, have you checked out, or not checked out, have you seen the commercial for that Will Smith movie about the concussion um, thing? Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that? A lot of these commercials are coming during NFL games, and it's like, okay, you've got to have some mm-hmm. kind of significance because fans are going to want to watch this thing. So i got to wonder, Roger Goodell sitting there watching these games, what does he think when that uh, trailer comes on? Pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel. I, first of all, I can't stand Will Smith. Uh, I, I think he's the, I think he's the most prolific over actor of all time. Like, if there's ever a line that you need overacted, you call Will Smith. I mean, he's just terrible. You know, I mean, so I, I mean, but, but right away, I'm not gonna watch it because it's Will Smith. And on top of that, he's doing an accent. It's like, get out! I, it's just no. I tell you no, what, though, I just speaking, speaking of actors that really are playing out of their traditional roles, I saw a trailer this weekend. Steve Carell from The Office fame, one of my favorite characters oh. of all time, played Michael Scott. So he's playing a serious role in a new movie coming out. And honestly, I was watching the trailer. He had some lines. I just couldn't take him seriously because you think of him as like Michael Scott in The Office, this funny guy. And now he's got a wig on playing a serious role. I just don't like that, Chief. There's a lot of people in the Brad Pitt's in that too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a whole a whole entourage of people in that. It's one of those huge. I, I always have an issue with comedic actors that they really want to try to go that serious role. Like that's the reason why I can't stand Jim Carrey anymore. You know, it's like it's just stick to what yeah. you know. Like everybody likes you because you make them laugh or whatever. You know, like I I don't know. I just can't stand that. that, that that's Jeff Daniels with, uh, did it recently. Yeah, it's like, it's like you, you got like like Robin Williams. Like his last five, six, seven thousand movies are all serious. Everybody knows him as just a comedian. You know. I mean, I, I just don't like when they go that route. I mean, whatever. But and even though I did hear Sarah Silverman, who was a very raunchy female comedian who I'm kind of in love with, I heard she, she's in an independent movie where she blows people away because she's playing like an alcoholic mom or something like that, and everybody's just was wow. great. But that I can I can actually believe that though, maybe because I want to because I'm in love with her. But whatever. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> that's just me. Love them, Sarah. All right, let's go into this week's game. Let's get the Thursday night football game out of the way because two of the three teams that I can't stand at all, Green Bay going into Detroit. Detroit is a three-point home underdog. How do you like it, Joe? 
I just want to see how Detroit plays in this game. I want to see if they can continue that, I guess you could call it dominance recently. I'm just curious to see if they can win another game because I think the door is certainly open with this Green Bay team that's really struggling and just trying to find some sort of identity heading into the postseason. You kind of feel like they're, they're going to make it. I mean, they're, they're going to make the postseason. But at some point you say, okay, you're going to make the playoffs, but who are you when you make the playoffs? What, what is your team when you make the playoffs? And right now, I don't think we can answer that. So I'm just interested to see kind of the, the back and forth in this game, what each team looks like. I know Detroit doesn't matter, but a lot of these guys, like I said earlier, are playing for their jobs. So that's an interesting storyline in this one. I like Green Bay, but it, it'll be certainly intriguing to watch it for nothing else than to see guys really – these games are interesting because sometimes they're like preseason games. You're, you're kind of watching guys that, that play for their future on this team. So I think for Detroit, that, that plays really well here. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it's just going to be as simple as one team is trending up, another team is trending down. I'll take the team that's trending up right now, and that's Detroit. You know, I, I don't even think Detroit's doing anything fancy. They're just winning games. It's not like they're blowing yep. people out yep. except for Philadelphia, which is terrible. You know, Philadelphia just became terrible, though. But it's not like they're doing anything fancy. They're sticking to the script. Like, when they're in the red zone, they're just trying to chuck it up to Calvin Johnson. Hello? That's what you're supposed to do? Like, yeah. I think Detroit is probably making things too difficult for themselves on the offensive end, but it really doesn't have to be. And Green Bay. That, 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 it seems like that they've lost. They've lost everything. Like I said earlier about how to play basic offense or within their offense, they just seem out of that kind of thing. So, sorry. Um, over here, San Fran, six and a half point underdog going into Chicago. Um, I just think with San Fran, they actually put up a pretty good fight, even tied it late with Arizona. Um, division games, though. That's how they're. That's how they are. Uh, you got Chicago go there. The defensive coordinator was the old defensive coordinator of San Fran. So he, I mean, even though a lot of those players are not just left, um, he's still gonna, he's still gonna have no weaknesses and whatnot within that team. Um, Blaine Gabbard is Blaine Gabbard. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, give me a break. I mean, I, I can't go, I can't ever go against my team, and I can't ever go with the team that has Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. Give me the improved Chicago Bears, even at six and a half. Yeah, well, not a great game here, but for me, I think it is because I'm interested to see what Chicago and you know this better than anybody, being the Bears fan right now. This is a glimpse into the future. It's kind of cool to watch. I was noticing that with the Ravens last night. It's kind of cool to see a glimpse into what this team's going to be in future seasons because you do have guys out there maybe not expected to be in there week one, week two. But now it's interesting to see how they can do in the NFL, what their, what their you know, ups and downs consist of. Totally agree, though. I think Blaine Gabbard in this game, how can you take Blaine Gabbard against a Chicago team that you know is going to be well-coached, prepared, ready to play this game? So I like Chicago. Very interesting, though, to see on the Chicago side how these guys fare. Um, no line yet on this game because nobody knows who's going to be the starting quarterback for Cleveland. Could be Austin Davis. Should be Johnny Manziel. We'll see what happens. But Cincinnati going into Cleveland, no line yet. I mean, Cincinnati can't lose this game. You know, I mean, that, I just can't see them losing this game to Cleveland. You, you know what's bad about Cleveland? Their number one receiver is your kick returner. Like, you, you know you're in bad shape when your number one receiver is your kick returner? Like, this isn't like college video games. Like, I don't I, I say anything. Benjamin is their best receiver. He's out there returning kickballs. That's not really an ideal situation. Give me the Bengals. Yeah, Cleveland just cannot stop the run right now. We saw that last night. Even though the numbers didn't suggest that the Ravens ran the ball particularly well, there were some huge plays that started drives, ended drives, that were crucial for Baltimore in the run game. And I just think Cincinnati is too well-rounded to win this game, uh, to lose this game, even on the road. I mean, a, a divisional game on the road, I don't care. I think Cincinnati wins it by double digits. Just too good of a team overall to drop this one against Austin Davis, Johnny Manziel, whoever might be starting at quarterback. Uh, the Jaguars and Titans, uh, here we go again. Jags are two-and-a-half-point underdog going into Tennessee. Give me the Jags all day. I, I have no belief in Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee does anything, right? Yeah, Tennessee really struggling right now. I mean, they're building towards the future, and you can admire that a little bit. But Jacksonville has to just – it's weird to say, but arguably somehow they're still in this AFC wildcard picture at 4-7. and seven. So they got to win. They're the better team right now. I think they have more going for them. So Jacksonville – in a close, ugly game that nobody's probably really going to watch. Um, interesting game over here is the Texans versus the Bills, two teams that, 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 that may decide tiebreaker stuff going into the playoffs. The Bills really need a win, though. Um, they've been kind of, I don't know, like, I, I, thought, I, thought they had, I thought they had it last week, and they blew it against Kansas City. They're three points home. Um, give me Buffalo at home. Uh, I think it's going to be a sloppy game. I think the under is the way to go at 41 and a half. But give me the Bills over here. 
Yeah, well, think about what's on the line for Buffalo. Last week, they lose a crucial AFC wildcard game that could end up haunting them at the end. They cannot do it again two weeks in a row against Houston, who if, if Buffalo loses this, it pretty much seals their season with a tough schedule to yeah. go at the end of the year. I mean, you look what Buffalo has. They still have, you know, after this, they have almost the entire uh, NFC East, Philadelphia, Washington, and Dallas. I know it doesn't seem great, but they're going to lose one of those games just because of the way they play. Then they have the Jets at the end of the season, which is obviously leans towards the Jets if we're talking about it now. So this is a must-win game for them at home. You've got to like them. Rex Ryan's gonna, going to find a way to prevail, get this team to victory. Like you said, though, it's going to be close, and it's probably going to be one of the better games of the weekend just because what's on the line for both teams is really interesting. You've got to move on. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens against the Miami Dolphins, two teams you can say are kind of just kaput right now. Um, they're both playing. I don't know why the NPCs are playing. Well, uh, nobody wants to watch this. <laughs> but, but considering my newfound hate for the Miami Dolphins, I'll just root for Baltimore. Yeah, hey, I mean, this is, again, two two teams that just don't really know what they are right now. I think the Ravens do know what they are. They're a team with a lot of injuries that are just fighting their way for towards a draft pick. I mean, the fans, everybody on Twitter wanted the Ravens to lose last night. It's just like, what's the purpose of winning at this point? Go lose out get Joey Bosa from Ohio State and start over next year. But, you know, now that they've won, the train's kind of moving a little bit. One, two straight. Matchup's not as terrible as everybody thinks. He's going to throw a pick six every game, but I think the Ravens' defense is good enough to win. So, give me the Ravens by three in like a 31 to 34 game, just like last night. You, you know what, somebody, I tweeted this out. Somebody needs to find me, like, I don't know, a graph or something of Ryan Tannehill and how many time points he scores. Because you, you look at the at, at the at his stat sheet at the end of the game and it looks like he killed it, but you watch the game and he looks like garbage throughout the whole game. He he scored a lot of his points because a lot of these big plays at the end of the game. Like I think he had a big play with the Jarvis Landry at the end of last week. They they were terrible planning. And I noticed this about Tannehill. He kind of does this all the time. He always gets like like a big play or a big touchdown at the end of the game that kind of like it, 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 it makes him look better than he is with the stat sheet. Somebody has to break it down because. Trust me, I watch Tannehill every week, and all I do is laugh at him. He plays the position of quarterback very, very poorly. You know, there's just no two ways about it. Um, yeah, I, don't know. I keep going off on Miami Dolphins, man. I mean, these fans really got I know. me. You know what it is? You know what it is? They got me so upset that now I'm looking for things when I'm watching the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, 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 and yeah. That's right. That's right. It, it, it happened, though. It happened with Tannehill. Really, though. I mean, I'm just not impressed. And they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Really? Give me Baltimore. Um, Carolina going into New Orleans. New Orleans is a seven-point underdog. For some reason, I want to take New Orleans because this is a trap team. I feel everyone in the world is going to pick Carolina, but I'm not going to do it. I'll go with the Panthers over here. to the controlled environment. They don't make too loud anymore because the Saints fans don't even like their own team anymore. So give me Carolina and Kansas. Yeah, here's another situation. I don't care if it's a divisional game. I don't care if it's at New Orleans. You put these two teams on a neutral field, and Carolina's going to win by 30 they might win by 20 here, but I just don't. I, New Orleans, what are they at this point? They don't have any look towards the future. They don't have any look towards this year. It's just really confusing, and, and it's got to be disappointing for Saints fans because right now you're clinging on to a team that you know is probably not going to win a lot for the next three, four, five years. They're in such a messy situation. Haven't really done much to build towards the future. Carolina, complete opposite. Arrow pointing up. they got to win here, definitely. And, and it, do, do you think – just for the sake, because I look at the Saints roster, they actually have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. See, they have running back, they have a good tight end. It, it, is the problem Drew Brees, do you think? I think the problem is a combination of things. I, I'm not sold on the coaching staff, and I think we kind of saw that earlier. The schemes are running are a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Brees hasn't been great, don't get me wrong, but he, he's certainly not the guy that's holding him back. It's just it's a combination of errors. Sometimes you have that where they just don't believe because of the leadership up top. I think the leadership's rough right now. Maybe, you know, Sean Payton's kind of sneaking by with his reputation, but is he the guy for the job there in New Orleans? For me, I think you just got to clean house and start over because this team has nothing trending upwards right now. I mean, you say they have talent, and they do, but what towards the future can you look at and say, okay, this is going to be a 12-win team who's going to compete for a Super Bowl in in four or five years? I, I just don't see it. So I think that Perhaps a reboot is needed. They don't really have that backup quarterback right now. You've got to wonder if they go that route in the first, second round. I mean, it is interesting. And rumor has it that he'll be coaching Ryan Tannehill next year. So we'll see how yeah. that works out. 
Um, the Seattle Seahawks against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. This game is a pick uh, over under that 41 and a half. Um, am I crazy? Because I actually think the Vikings can beat the Seahawks. I mean, that, that, this may be a whole new Vikings, a whole new era. And you know what's funny? I'm really not sold on Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think Bridgewater is really that good at all. I just think he doesn't make mistakes. You know, he's just a good game manager at this point. To me, he's a practice version of Alex Smith, um, which is enough to win in this league, honestly. If you're a game manager, you don't turn over the ball. And that's going to be the big thing. Seahawks always have great special teams, which they, 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 they can turn the field around. They can score on special teams. And I think the Seahawks are one of the few teams that handle special teams great. You know, um, I think Seahawks special teams may be a deciding factor in all. But I think Minnesota wins by a field goal at the end. Yeah, I can totally see why this game's a pick I'm going back and forth saying, okay, Minnesota can win any week. Because you didn't know what you were talking about during the week. And I think that's the case here. I love, love, love Seattle on the road. I know they don't have Jimmy Graham, but I just buy into them. I really do. I still think this is a team that can compete towards the end of the season. I love Minnesota. I really do. But I think Seattle might win this game by double digits just because of how everybody else is sleeping on them. While this is the time of the year that Seattle and Pete Carroll gets going, big win last week for momentum against Pittsburgh. I think they come into Minnesota, get a big statement win, and suddenly they're back on the map. I'm saying that, that, that Pittsburgh-Seattle game was really big for both of those teams, you know, and I obviously favorite Seattle. And that was a big that was a big game in the middle of the I mean, if you still want both the middle of the year for both of those teams. Um, Cardinals playing a division game against St. Louis Rams. Rams are a five-and-a-half-point underdog. Let me say, the Rams are awful. Like, outside of Todd Gurley and an occasional Tavon Austin's surprise run, they're awful. They're, they're bad at quarterback. Their defense came into this season very highly overrated. Arizona kind of sleepwalks through games, and it's frustrating to watch. But give me Arizona. Yeah, Arizona's the team to win here. I know it's a divisional game. We all like those. But Arizona's the better team overall. There's no reason they can't win this game. And, and really, moving forward, there's no reason they can't win out. So, I like Arizona. Very good team. You know, give me them by a, I don't know, it's a divisional game, so I guess a touchdown or something is fair. But I know they underwhelmed last week. I know people are going to be afraid of that, but you just got to look at the team as a whole. I know Chris Johnson's out with the injury now, but they're just so good. They're well coached. They're not going to drop this game. Yeah, even though I won't give it to Jeff Fisher, it doesn't matter how bad his team is. He always has the Rams playing, like, way over their heads when it's a, a divisional game. Um, Atlanta Falcons going into Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know why they're not. Give me Tampa in this one. I mean, I love Matty Ice, love Julio Jones. This team just looks bad. They can't do anything defensively, can't do anything offensively. Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay is like a hot and cold team. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they look eh. Last week they looked eh. I don't think they'll look great this week against a bad Atlanta team. I don't think that's a bad thing. That's kind of Tampa Bay is teetering on these, these good games, bad games, because – it shows you that with a rookie quarterback, they can have good games. You know flaws are going to come down in the system this year. It's just going to happen. But I think it's a good thing that we're kind of seeing that teeter-totter right now because it shows that they can be very, very good with a whole offseason, with a whole more time to develop players and to compete. They can compete in this division right now. I mean, I know Carolina is the lead dog, but they can compete for that number two spot in a wild card position moving forward. So I think it's a good thing for Tampa Bay. I like them in this game just because, like you said, the future – so bright for them in, in Atlanta right now. You've got to be shaking your heads thinking you've given up this day at this wild card spot. Now you're looking towards one or two more losses, and you could be completely out of this thing. They're going to be pressing. And I think Tampa Bay, you know, they're, they're just playing for right now the future. And I think that sometimes that's a good thing. So I like them definitely uh, at home here. Yeah, at home, Tampa Bay, definitely. Uh, big game for uh, my people over here in New York as the Jets play the Giants. It means this is like a civil war over here. You have no idea. Like, it splits up friendships. Up. Guarantee you there will be fights at the stadium. People will be getting thrown out. People will, getting, people, there will be fights broken up at the tailgate at this game because New Yorkers are out of their damn minds, Joe. Um, but the Jets are a two-point favorite. Um, you could say it's a home game for the Giants, but it's not. <laughs> it's a neutral field pretty much. just depends on, uh, on how many fans show up for each team. Um, but give me the Jets here. I think the Jets win this game big, to be quite honest with you. Um, Eli Manning's looked completely inaccurate lately. And, and I'm not just saying, I'm not just saying from last week, throwing three interceptions, just inaccurate as a passer. The offensive line has to go against this Jets defense. Odell Beckham Jr. against this secondary. And not for nothing, you got Fitzpatrick and his weaponry going against that Giants defense. I think the Jets win this one huge. 
this is for me. I mean, going into it, and you never know what happens, but going into the game, this is probably the, my game of the weekend just because of how much is on the line for both teams. You look at the Jets right now. If they win this game, they're suddenly, like we said earlier, the, not only the favorites for the AFC wildcard, but they have so much momentum after winning a technical technical road game. They win a technical road game, and you knock off a team, and you, you have seven wins already at this point of the season. I love it. I think really like I'm with you. I think the Jets huge game for them if they win. I just don't buy in to what the Giants have to offer right now. I just think that you know they're too streaky and and it shows it. Look, Washington's at the top of that division. There's no way that Tom Coughlin and this team can let a Washington Redskins team jump to the top of your division when they have what six losses, five and six. Unbelievable, unacceptable. The Jets, hundred percent all day long. I agree with you. This could be a blowout. There's there's always one division that nobody wants to win it. Last year was the NFC South. This year it seems like the NFC. Um, you've got the AFC West now. You've got the Broncos. These are the four o'clock games. The Broncos are four point favorite going into San Diego. Um, I hate going against Phillip Rivers, but I gotta say the Broncos gotta win this one decisively against San Diego, or at least by a touchdown, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Yeah, this scares me. It's almost like a trap game after the big win. Yeah. Osweiler, he's just, you got to do what you got to do. Play a clean game and they'll win. But San Diego, I know at home, not really a big deal with these guys just because of the situation going on with the Chargers franchise right now. But I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be, you know, on paper, clearly Broncos win this game by 20 points. But I don't think it's going to go down that way. San Diego still has some reason to believe, not believe in the team moving forward. Just they want to win. I mean, there's no secret in that. And Denver really wants to win, knowing that they're supposed to win big. I think that can spell trouble sometimes, trap game. I think they win, but I'm not so sold it's going to be more than a field goal or a touchdown just because of the way these games tend to go. But I think Philip Rivers is going to he's going to welcome the challenge of going against this great defense. I think Philip Rivers is very confident in what he can do, and I think he's going to lump the fact that he can throw on his defense, to be quite honest. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, big rivalry game going into Oakland to play the Raiders. Raiders are three-point underdogs. For some reason, I like the Raiders over here. I think it's because the rivalry game, the Chiefs are the hot team right now, and it's usually your rivals that kind of, like, spoil things for you. Um, over here, I, I think home field advantage will, will make a difference because there will be probably three Kansas City Chiefs fans in attendance over there in Oakland. Uh, give me Oakland over here, though. Huge game when you consider everything that's on the line. Huge game. I mean, this, this could decide that AFC wildcard spot down to the six seed, five seed, whatever. Nobody wants the seed right now. I mean, everybody's playing terribly. But right now, I just think the Kansas City's playing really good football. And I know it's weird to say they're going to win six straight after going one and five, but I think they can do it. Mm-hmm. Oakland has fallen off just a bit, started out so hot, and they haven't played well lately. They should have lost the game to Tennessee last week, while Kansas City is just putting together quality wins with second, third, fourth string running backs leading the way. They're doing a lot right. Andy Reid has these guys on the right track. I think Kansas City wins and surprises everybody and jumps into that wild card position to where you say, okay, is this team for real? Perhaps not. But if they win this game, huge momentum boost. I believe in the way they're playing right now more than Oakland, so that's why I take the Chiefs. Let me say, I was dumping on Kansas City to start the year. Um, if they make the playoffs, Andy Reid got to be considered coach of the year because I really don't see anything on this roster that's too, like, <laughs> like that, that's playoff. Absolutely. Worthy. Yeah, well, really, like, this is not a like enticing roster whatsoever. So, trust Andy Reid. Um, no line on this game yet as the Philadelphia Eagles go into New England to play the Patriots. I don't care what the line is. I don't care what's going on. The Patriots are awful. and I mean, not Patriots. The Eagles are awful. Patriots are coming off of a big loss in overtime on primetime television. Tom Brady and the Patriots will beat the Eagles by 30 points. I don't care what the spread is. Yeah, you can literally just copy and paste the script that you just said right to my explanation. I mean, this, there's no way that Bill Belichick doesn't come out and score 50 points in this game. I'm sorry, it's not going to yeah. happen. Even with or without Gronkowski, this is the typical Patriots statement game. They're, they're in it. We all know they're in it. We all know they're probably the favorites for the Super Bowl right now. So don't take that loss last week with anything more than a grain of salt. And I think that's what the Patriots are trying to prove. They have such a reputation of coming out in these games and just proving to the world that, hey, we're still here. This is just another one of those games. Same story, different year. Like you said, Patriots by 30. And Byron Maxwell is going to get abused because he is probably the worst player yeah. in the NFL right now. I mean, he just looks awful. Um, two more games to go. We're done over here. we got the Indianapolis Colts. No line as of yet. Going into Pittsburgh to play the Steelers, there is no line because Ben Roethlisberger is going to the concussion protocol as of right now. 
Um, let me tell you, I mean, I was disappointed. I thought the Steelers had a real chance to beat Seattle last week, and they did have a chance. Um, I, I don't like the Colts at all. I think they're terrible. I, I, I've been saying this all year long. I think that Pittsburgh's offense should not be stopped by anybody. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, Pittsburgh has everything on offense that they need. They have all the firepower. Colts can't stop this offense. They can't. You know, and enough from that Hasselback. He's 39 years old. Just keep blitzing him all day. I don't care. Give me Pittsburgh. I think we've had the same conversation about the Indianapolis Colts for like two years now because you believe in them and I yep. don't. It's, 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 and at some point, you're going to see that this team is legitimate. And I know they haven't proven me right for the past few years, but at some point, you're going to realize that these guys are real. Maybe it's, maybe it's Matthew Hasselbeck. Maybe he's the guy to prove me right. and uh, he's gonna, I'm going to get a Matthew Hasselbeck jersey just to mail to you for Christmas if he pulls this game off, because I think the Colts win this one. I know it's crazy. I know wow. Pittsburgh's at home, Sunday night football, yada, yada, dip. But look at Pittsburgh right now, 6-5. and five, You're demoralizing loss. I know they're still in it, but Indianapolis just finds a way to win games. Pittsburgh, Sunday night football, night game, they're not going to blow this team out. They're just not. It's <laughs> going to come down to the wire. And for me, when it comes down to the wire, I think this Indianapolis team is built to win. I don't believe – that Ben Roethlisberger is not going to make a mistake at the end of the game. He's very shaky in the pocket right now. He's seeing ghosts. It's very tough. I think Indianapolis wins this by three. Like that UNC pick earlier, this is my upset of the week. Last game of the week, and I think it's pretty easy, but no Tony Romo the Dallas Cowboys going to Washington on Monday Night Football. Washington is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I love Washington over here. I think Washington gets a – let me tell you, when a Giants lost, that, that we expect, and I'm, I'm predicting a Washington win over here. Washington has a stronghold on the, on the NFC East right now, which nobody saw coming at all. You know, I think everybody has some strength dead last in this division. So, I mean, good for them. Their defense has been playing really well. Um, and it all rides on Kirk Cousins, really, because they, they, they mix and match their running back. They actually have a good receiving core. You know, when, when Jordan Reed is healthy and they have the two receivers going to Shaw Jack's healthy now, I mean, it, it, I just like what Washington has. I think Washington, when it's all said and done, at this point, has the most complete team in the NFC East, and that's crazy to say because all of us thought they were win four games probably this year. They have the most complete team in the NFC East right now, going against a team that is a shell of themselves, uh, Dallas Cowboys. I expect Des Bryant to punch one person. My over-under is one and a half, so I'll go under and just say he punches one person only, maybe on his own sideline. It doesn't, he may punch Greg Hardy this week. I, I think this is the week where Des Bryant punches Greg Hardy. But uh, Washington with this one by at least 10, maybe 12. Well, if it's not Monday Night Football, I would agree with you. But I think it's going to be a 27-20 kind of Washington win. I just think when you look at Dallas right now, you hit the nail on the head. What do they have? I mean, really, what do they have? What do they have to play for? What do they have on the roster? They know the season's over. They're just wrapping it up at this point. Washington's still in it at home. Not a chance they lose this game. I know it's going to be a little closer because we – have this Monday night thing that all games have to be close, which kind of gets obnoxious after a while because I need my sleep on Monday nights. But I'm going to watch it because it's going to be good. Kirk Cousins gets a win. They stay in first place, and all of a sudden we're talking about the Redskins possibly hosting a home playoff game. Everything that's wrong with the NFL summed up in that state. It's crazy how the Redskins will be hosting a playoff game with Kirk Cousins at quarterback and RG3 on the bench uh, on the bench in a sweatsuit. That's pretty much how RG3 is going to look at. I mean, I mean, we could talk about RG3 all day long, but I'd rather not. But, uh, Joe, we wrapped up another good show over here. Uh, I'm glad you and me were both on the same page for USC because I really I really think that that's going to shake things up. You know, I mean, if, if they win, they they got to go into the playoff. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, this is a game that, I tell you, there's going to be a lot of shakeup, and I think UNC plays very good football. They score a lot of points. Clemson is prone to making mistakes. I just, I like UNC, so I like that. I also like, uh, when does this show, you always tell me this, when does this show hit the air today, right? Uh, yeah, this afternoon. Okay, well, well, here's my thing tonight. I got some notes for you tonight. Anybody that's listening before tonight, Tuesday, I like the 76ers in the NBA to get their first win, to go 1-18 against the Lakers at home tonight. 76ers win. Also, Maryland Maryland against UNC in men's hoops. Number two against number nine. Really good game. Kind of go with the home turps. But, yeah, I think the 76ers get off the schneid, and I think they win against the, the Kobe Bryant-List Lakers. I don't know. Well, whatever. Yeah, my, my man Kobe's giving it up, man. So that, that, like, like me and Kobe are about the same age, so that just shows my mortality in life, so I'm not happy about it. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but thanks for showing up, Joe. We'll do it again next week. Tell everybody where they can find you. Absolutely. On Twitter, at Joe Weidra. Just dropped power rankings this morning on NFLMocks.com, so you can check them out there. Should be fun this week. Can't wait to talk about it. And, uh, you know, not go UNC, but I think they're going to win. So uh, if they win, just give me a shout-out on Twitter. Let everybody know who called it first. <laughs> All right, then, Joe. You be good. Have a good one. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Check out the .com website, Leo. G-E-E-S-E-E-L-I-O. Go to thebookpatch.com. Pick up a copy of my book, All You Need to Know. Me giving guys advice on how to gain confidence and approach the ladies. So, yeah, it's only eight bucks. Nice little stocking stuffer. Help yourself to it, and talk to y'all later. Bear with it. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.